This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vaughs. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, barring incident and jackie kind of ripped apart that comment in last week's episode of the podcast which i love not ripped apart but brought it up but my name as i hope it will always be is lyle fulton it's your and catchphrase lyle. it is i mean there are so many barring catchphrases instant. Lyle, barring instant fulton. <laughs> fulton, there you go my middle name is barring instant um <laughs> i'm fairly certain that members of my family will find the idea of my middle name being barring incident very funny but i am joined as i always am by the wonderful Jacqueline DeVoe. No, not quite Jacqueline <laughs> I'm joined by Jackie Vos. Jackie, how are you this fine Friday afternoon? It's really good to see you. How have you been? I'm really well. Very well. I'm looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, all good. All good, all good. And this week, listeners, hot on the heels of a brilliant episode with Batuhan and then our kind of impromptu influencer episode. And we're still very, very keen to be contacted by any influencers who want to come on the podcast. So do get in touch with us. But we decided to kind of go a different direction this week from last week and actually do something we planned to talk about, uh, which is an interesting change of pace from, from last Friday. And we want to talk this week, listeners, about setting up your own business. This was kind of inspired by our conversation with the wonderful Batuhan from Moby Dictum. I was really struck by how open and honest he was about him not really being all that certain about the business in the early knockings of its development in the early stages and how he turned around at one point and said, I really wasn't sure if I was just going to close the business down and go and do something else. And I've no doubt that he's delighted that he stuck with it because it's now going from strength to strength as we head into what March of this year already, where is the time going? But it, occurred to me Jackie that both you and I have set up our own businesses in our own right this podcast in and of itself is a business we've set up as well the two of us kind of inadvertently it's become the business that it has tell us a little bit about your own experience of setting up a business you set up quite a few so what have they been like what are they obviously I know but our listeners might not and what's been your experience both good and I'm sure there have been bad experiences throughout your time sort of setting up businesses yourself. So tell us a little bit about that and, and what kind of advice you might give as well. While you were talking then, like, I was just thinking, you're very good at interviewing because your questions are so open. They're so open, you can answer, you can start any which way you like, really. <laughs> yes. I guess I'll start at the beginning. And the advice I got from a mentor of mine Roger Barrett and I wanted to start my own PR business that was my first proper business and he he said oh it's easy he said just go and take out 10 credit cards that'll give you your initial funding don't bother going to banks or anything like that and just do it and I was like oh terrified I didn't take out 10 credit cards there was a method in his madness because what he was trying to say was that you're on your own And every risk that you're taking when you set up a business is your own. It's your risk. And you have to sort of weigh up all the things you have to gain. You you have to do a risk analysis, really. Everything you have to gain and everything you have to lose. Because every business is a risk in, in, in essence. And I was very lucky when I set up my first business because... I didn't have any assets. I didn't have a lot to lose. You know, I didn't have to put my house on the line or anything like that. And I know people who have, but I did have to go into some debt. I did have to take out some credit cards. And it was, the onus was on me to get that paid back. 
and to really think about making myself profitable very quickly. And I think that was, you know, in many ways, it sounds very trite. Oh, just go and take out a few credit cards. But the interesting thing was it made me very accountable. And I think when you set up a business, you have to sort of examine your reasons for for wanting to set your own business up. My reasons came from being very much influenced by my own past, my culture, my family, and also having worked for Roger as well. And he he really helped me. He set up numerous businesses while I was working for him. And I was like his right-hand man. And so I learned everything from him, from the bookkeeping, from how to read the accounts, how to prepare accounts, how to look at profit and loss, how to look at profit margins, how to business plan, how to forecast. And all those things I was taught while I was working for him. So when it actually came to setting up my first business, I was still quite scared, but I was pretty well across all the different disciplines that you have to have as a business manager and as a business owner. What I wasn't across, which uh, I think is very much sort of part of Roger's thing, was I wasn't, and I am now, obviously, I wasn't across all of the directorial responsibilities that you have when you set up your company according to the legislation of your land. And, you know, you do have certain official duties that you have to legally undertake to do. So, you know, it is a to hold the office of a director is a serious responsibility. And that responsibility gets even more so as you start to grow and you start to employ people and everything else. But I was, as I said, it's really lucky I had that kind of like nice grounding in terms of all the things that had gone before me and also, you know, my immediate first experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really interesting as well that you've kind of come at it from the perspective of someone who started a business having been around someone who'd started lots of businesses. So you'd kind of absorbed this information. And I'm kind of coming at it from a similar perspective to a very great extent, albeit the business I set up, my theatre company, Wild Geese Theatre Company, was unlike any business that my dad set up, for example, or anyone else I knew. How important, I mean, I feel like this is a bit of a loaded question, but how important do you think you having had that experience is? Because there will be people out there who have never had that, who have never experienced working under someone who set their own business up, who've never known someone who set up their own business. And they kind of have to go through the route, which is also totally appropriate of reading up on it, you know, going to seminars, absorbing that information in different ways. I mean, how important did you find that experience? How crucial was that? And also, would you, I suppose, in a more specific way, would you encourage someone looking to start their own business to work for someone who has started their own business already so that you can ask them questions directly, maybe ask the questions that you maybe don't necessarily get the answers to at the kind of seminars and in the books that have to be, by extension, quite generic and quite kind of educational? Do you see what I mean? There's there's kind of a street smarts element to setting your own business up that I think you get from working for someone who's done it, right? You know, I always think direct experience, there's nothing to rival it. Mm. There's, there's nothing, it's not even just about asking questions, it's about really understanding what you're there for, what the day-to-day duties are, what the things are that you have to think about, you know, registering for VAT or, you know, your local taxes. We always talk about English law here or English taxation system, but, you know, there are different, it's different in every country. So the fundamentals have to be understood. And I don't think there's anything that can really replace 
working within a small business, working directly with a small business owner. But when I set up my first business, there was this internet thing didn't exist. (laughs) It didn't exist. You had to write to company's house. You had lots of form filling to do to set up a limited company. You got this original metal seal that you could seal your official documents with. It was very different when I set up my first company. You got official leather-bound books with your share certificate. Where's my leather-bound? Hey, company's house. Where's my leather-bound book, by the way? Right. Just saying that. Right. You know, where is it? Just put it out there. Hours on the phone to them asking what this form meant and waiting for another form to be sent. And, you know, nowadays it is so, so simple. And there are just in terms of just forming a company, there are online services i use a service called my company formations but there is online services who do all the work for you who make sure you have a registered address make sure you have everything you need and it's so so damn simple to set up a, a business now so yeah i think getting that first frontline experience is important it's not vital it's not crucial there are so many information sources around now i mean yeah. i really books I studied how to do business plans having the ability to to do a good business plan is interestingly I've just been talking to um, my son's barber Richard and he is setting up his own business and we started talking and I'm sort of helping him and mentoring him in in how he what he needs to do to to consider to set up his own business it's really I love it because it's really interesting what people think about because they see their businesses in the scope of their own experience. So this guy's a a barber. He knows how much a haircut costs. He knows how much his products cost. He knows how much his time costs and all that kind of thing. But he's never rented a salon. He's never run the VAT before. He's never done all that housekeeping stuff. He didn't, you know, I was talking to him about, okay, what are the business rates? What are the utility bills? What what, what about your insurance? What about your public indemnity? What about your business risk? It was just like, what 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 and I was like yeah there are lots and lots of things that if you do your business plan right from the start before you even think about you know filling out a form on company's house that is the best start that you can have because then you have the basis of a plan that you can discuss with anybody and it's really interesting there's bank managers accountancy services federation of small businesses And if you're in a a certain industry, you will find that there are industry bodies that are there to support small to medium enterprises within their own sector because SMEs are the lifeblood of any country's economy. Absolutely. So it's really, really important to first off, work out what your business is, work out what the costs are, work out how you want to grow it. And a lot of it is... mm, you know, putting your finger up to the air and sort of thinking, hey, where did the wind blow? And yeah, yeah. This and what if that? And what if this? But as you get more experienced, as you see the ebb and flow of business, uh, because every business has peaks and troughs, the more experienced you are, the less freaked out you are by those ebbs and flows in terms of revenues and stuff like that. But the, I still revert back to my business plan, back to my forecasts. I could name you any cost to my business right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really really important to have all of that sort of nailed before you even strong foundations right has to be I think that's the thing because 
as long as you've got the strong you're so right in any business it, i mean the businesses that we've each ourselves set up are from very very different industries right i mean you know there are similarities to a great extent you know both you know involves us like sort of in the marketing space you know me from the perspective of this is a thing that i want to kind of you know, get slightly more exposure you from the perspective of you know or, you know i'm working with businesses to kind of get them exposure sort of work with the media this that and the other but you know when it comes down to it when you're setting a business up the strong foundations of the kind of the you know it's going to sound ridiculous but i think we both agree on this kind of the admin stuff you know i mean the fact if the foundations are strong with a business plan something you can constantly revert back to and anyone who is then kind of on the masthead of the business as well in the future has something to refer back to that is always this is always how it works these are the mechanisms through which the business actually continues to operate and survive thriving is different because obviously things you know by association and necessarily will adapt and change and shift with the changing landscape of your own industry advancements in technology i mean demozo and what demozo does has changed markedly throughout the years as clients have changed as what their output is has changed as technology has changed social media you know avenues through which you can go and get exposure for clients while geese will inevitably change, you know, our shows year on year change, the productions we put on, the themes we try and explore, the ages of our audiences, where we put our shows on, that will change. But if the foundations are strong, if you're, and we've talked about principles before, haven't we, as well, we've talked about your core principles, your core values, and your message remains very constant. And we haven't mentioned it in a, a little while, actually, so I'm going to say preparedness as well. It all comes down to preparedness, doesn't it? You could, like you say, Anyone can come up with a name for a business, write to company's house and go, this is a business. Boom, it's a business. There are shares. There are three shares. There's three of us. There are three shares. One share each. It's a business. And they'll turn around and go, yeah, fine. It's a business. Great. Brilliant. Congratulations. And then a week later, they'll go, right, so what are your overheads? How much are you paying yourselves? Where's your office? You know, this, that, and the other. Ba-bam, ba-bam, ba-bam. And if you don't have any of that before you write to them and fill the form out, you're in all sorts of trouble. So you have to have, you're so right, you have to have those core mechanics in place. I mean, how soon, has it always been the same? When you set a business up, how soon have you had that in place before you've then kind of launched? Or has it changed at times? You know, you can go back to as far as like sort of PR shots, Peppercom, like all the way up to Demozo as it is now. I mean, was Demozo an iron in the fire for a while before you launched it? Was it... Well- you know, I'm under NDA as to what I can disclose about Lozo's birth. Um, <laughs> but, but essentially, the structure of Demosa was management buyout. So, yes, I mean, that everything. And honestly, you set my teeth grinding when you said the admin part. <laughs> It's not, it's fundamental. It's a bit like saying, oh, that pistony thing in the middle of a car. Yeah. The engine is so important. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the fundamentals are money in, money out. That's it. I mean, I didn't mean it uh, derisory, by the way. I, didn't, my, I love that. You know? <laughs> so yeah. your understanding of not only the money in, money out, but also the cash flow is so important. So, you know, in our business, we invoice a month in advance. We get paid, hopefully, at the end of that month. And that is in sync with how we pay our people so that everybody gets paid at the end of the month we get paid at the end of the month in out in out in out but if somebody pays late we have to cover that yeah 
you might say yes that's accumulating but at the, at the same stage so we have to know what our cost is and then every now and again you might be hit with a, a big cost you might have a break in they, you have to replace equipment and stuff like that and then it takes a while to get it back from the insurance all of that affects your cash flow so you have to build a buffer into your cash flow to really make sure that you're covered for all its circumstances you have also got to pay your taxes. Nowadays, a lot of this is automated. It's online. The government knows exactly what your payroll is. It's a, a very efficient system. In the old days, I had to save that money up. I had to save up my VAT. I had to save up my PAYE money. I had to, pay, I had to save up all the national insurance contributions. That's so, the big book. That's where the big book comes in. The big book I there is quite literally bookkeeping. Yeah, so, well, I did a computer system even 30 years ago. But yeah, but it is, it's really important to understand the cash flow. And so when you are doing that sort of engine work right at the beginning, you've got to be thinking about what's your startup capital? What are you then planning to spend that on? And then there are other things. So you look at your costs. And what I find a lot of new business people are very naive to is negotiating with people. So, you know, if you're being shown a property to rent, they will say, yeah, well, you know, you can get three months rent-free, blah, 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 blah. Why not ask for four? Why not ask for four? Why not ask for a year? You know, you don't get if you don't ask. Absolutely. And also, there's a side of it as well, which is that by the same token, people you are negotiating with also run businesses. So if you're in their position and someone comes to you and goes, oh, I'd like to rent this office or I'd like to rent this property or I'd like to sort of, you know, employ you as my accountant or any of these things. If they turn around and go, yeah, it's this. And they then see you go, oh, I think maybe I'll go actually with someone else who's offered me slightly more. It's in their interest to have your business. So both sides come at it from constantly very strong negotiating positions and you're so right. It drives me crazy when I see or hear about people who don't even ask the question because there's always some form of deal to be done. There's always, you know, people want the business. Companies want the business, you know, and they, you know, the, the better they treat you in the first instance. I mean, we spoke in the podcast before when it comes to Demosa as well, which, you know, about, you know, repeat business. You know, if, if, if you, strike, you know, strike up a good professional working relationship with a client, they're going to want to keep engaging with you on, a, you know, on in that working relationship for months, years to come. It's the same with this. I mean, if if they give you a bit of a deal on something and, you know, you negotiate and it all goes to plan, then you're going to go back and you kind of help each other out. You, know? you have things in your armory. They're called variables. So there are lots of things that you have that they might want. And there are things they have that you want. And you just have to work out how to trade those variables with them. So you might have another three companies who are friends of yours that might want to come into that office block. So you might say, listen, if I bring three more companies, one more company with me, whatever, would you do me buy one, get one free? Start high and, you know, so I think negotiating on your big costs is very important. I also, and this is kind of very contrarian, I'm a big believer in paying people what they're worth. So sometimes I I don't negotiate because I'll look at something and I think, yeah, actually for that person is going to be three weeks work, three days, kind of work it out in my head. That's like 
150 a day wow you know I'm not going to negotiate with them if I want a good job done they've given me a fair price and you know I'm going to expect the job to be done exactly to my specification so bear in mind what you can bring with your negotiation don't just fly in and go oh I want once off you know think what can I give to make that valuable and that might be that you say, listen, if you can give me the first six months, then I'll sign a deal for two and a half years. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. when you're negotiating with people, always think what you can bring of value to a negotiation. Don't just be asking for money off. Yeah. Because that's not going to get you very far. How important as well, I'm really enjoying this, by the way, because actually, if anything, it's kind of also giving me a lot of food for thought because we're at kind of very much different stages in our business owning trajectories. I mean, I always say to people I engage with when it comes to wild geese that we've actually only really existed for three years. The reason I say that is because it's such a physical company. You know, our output is so in person. We were able to do things, don't get me wrong, for the six months to a year that we tried to during that COVID year. But we set up in 2019 and within three months of us kind of establishing ourselves as a company, we had COVID and given that we had a theatre company, it was very, very tough. So I say we've only existed for three years. The most I mean, while has obviously been a significant amount longer than that. How important is it knowing the value of what you offer as well as a business? Because we, for example, at Wild Geese, we go to venues and we're a very new company relative to some of the companies that they have brought in before. And so sometimes through no fault of their own, because they're coming at it from a negotiating position. They've occasionally tried to kind of lowball a little bit. We have a day rate. We have a way of, you know, working where it's like, if you want two shows from us, it's X amount of money for two shows, because that just, and we're not in it to make any profit as a company. We're in it to pay ourselves, pay our actors yeah. and cover our costs and whatever we make on top of that as a bonus. Fantastic, right? That's always good. But then, you know, we get a bit lowballed. Again, I don't blame them. That's just obviously they're trying to cover their own bases as well. But how important is it knowing the value as well? And like you, you talk about paying people what they're mm. worth, and paying people mm. the value of what they've done. The same also has to be true right from the outset. You have to know that what you are delivering is worthy of X amount and you kind of have to stick to that. Or, or is there a flexibility? I mean, I don't know. There's always flexibility. So give you an example. With us, you know, we have been around for a long time. We do have incredible credentials and I'm not just saying that to toot my own horn. It's down to the brilliant people that work for Domoso. And as a group, we deliver. So, and, I, and I'm very passionate about what we deliver. And when, you know, sometimes for whatever reasons, things don't work out. But when you enter a relationship, much like a marriage, you enter with hope and optimism, but also clear expectations of what you want to achieve from that relationship. So the whole dance of, you know, winning the business and securing the contract has to be predicated on the basis that you will deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Sure. And in that there is value. And it's a question of there's lots of other sort of hygiene factors around that, you know, whether you get on really well, whether there's chemistry, la, 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 la. But at the end of the day is are you delivering and are you best set to deliver a service that's better than anybody else? When you see what you've got around you, when you actually experience that, you as a theatre company, I know you do amazing work. So, you know, you should be quite confident to say, listen, you know, we might cost a bit extra, but you get a bit extra from us. Yeah. For me, I know, and you've seen it happen, Lyle, we get paid by the hour, but 
have we ever just worked those hours? No. Never. I've done that. I've actually one of the first listeners, by the way, you know, way back when, and I said this on the podcast episode, alongside my fantastic work, and it was all fantastic work, don't get me wrong, because I'm talking to the person who employed me at the time. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was told to go out and do Ludo, use Ludo and work on Ludo, because uh, Tom was one of my first uh, clients that I worked on at the Bezo. I was also kind of charged with going through you know, sort of hours we were working for, for coming, I literally just kind of like having a look at it just from my own kind of personal interest, didn't do anything with it or anything like that. But you're right. I then spoke to obviously yourself, I spoke to, and it's like, no, ne- never happens. It's like, it's always more, always more. Service <laughs> you want to not only just deliver, we like to over deliver. We like to, you know, meet and exceed client expectations. And for that, we think we deserve a premium and we are a premium company. And you have to be prepared to walk away. You have to be prepared to walk away. If somebody's lowballing you, you have to make a judgment call and say to yourself, could I get paid more elsewhere? Could I work with companies that suit us better? Am I wasting a huge amount of my time just going through the dance to get this business? You have to be prepared to back yourself. And I think a lot of companies don't, and they end up losing a lot of money, running themselves on empty and failing because... They don't have that confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Delivery. Nothing they to do with the quality of it. Yeah. Just, just all to do with the confidence and, and, and the belief in their own, their own value and their own worth. Yeah. I mean, if you get lowballed, you get lowballed out of existence. And you know, I'm really passionate about keeping my people happy, making sure that they're working to their best. And if they're working with a client which is constantly looking for ways to cut costs and ways to cut them down and ways to moan and kind of no, I, I won't even I won't even go won't touch you with barge pole. Very recently I basically have stuck to my guns with one client and said I will not go into a competitive pitch. I love this business. I would have loved to have done the the job, but I won't pitch competitively because it's like a beauty parade comparing apples with pears. And it's just, you know, we are what we do. We are Demoso. There's nobody else like us. And you either want us or you don't. And that's, you know, that, and, you know, they said, well, look, you know, we respect your decision, but we do have to have a beauty parade for our procurement purposes. And I count myself out. I just won't do it. And, you know, some people might say, well, you know, that's foolish. But I'll tell you one thing. I have now saved myself probably three weeks of pitch work that I can put into my existing clients who are happy to pay me without putting me through a beauty parade. So go. I don't think that's a stupid, stupid thing at all. But also, I think it kind of comes back down to as well. I don't think it's stupid at all. I think you're absolutely spot on. And we've spoken about that, by the way. And, you know, we spoke to, Pat- to Patty about that as well when she came on the podcast about how she really, she's also not a fan of these kind of beauty parades where you sort of go up in front of a client, prospective client, and they kind of... <laughs> They, uh, it drives me insane because they get promised, <laughs> oh, promised all these things that nobody can ever execute. But it's what looks glossier, what looks prettier. It's the you know some. It's a general election, but for companies. Years, <laughs> it is like the Brexit bus. Seriously, yeah. the three hundred fifty thousand million into your NHS. That's exactly what a lot yeah. of companies do in these pitches. They look beautiful. They smell beautiful and underneath is a pile of poo and it's really really annoying to me use poo there proud of you (laughs) (laughs) but unfortunately i can scream and holler about it to the end of the day 
they'll only find out when they engage with these people. And I was talking to a different, totally different client, another client who we were chatting. She was like, oh my God, I wish I'd met you three months ago, but now I've engaged this lot who told me they could do, uh, and I was like, well, you can't do that. And you can't do that. And you certainly can't do that. Okay. And I didn't know why they came up with those plans because it's just not possible. She said, I know now, but this is the thing. Some agencies will spend, invest more into that pitch process just to secure the business, just to hook the person in. And then that's it. That's it. And sometimes, sorry, ranting, ranting, ranting. No, 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 it's brilliant though. Clients don't even know. They don't even know they could have better. Yeah. It's like, you know, that old saying, like, you don't miss what you never had. Yeah. It's a bit like that. Or you, or you miss 100% of the shots you don't take kind of thing and, and all this sort of stuff. I mean, it's like, well, oh, well, I've got to take this now. It's like, well, you know, kind of hold your horses. But also there's, I mean, there's so many cliches, like the grass is greener, you know, or the grass isn't always greener. Do you know what I mean? Like things like that. I mean, as well, it, it comes down, it comes back down to that kind of core value system as well as a business. I think yes. there are some people who would turn around, you know, based on what you just said, which I agree with, by the way, and say, oh, well, you know, you know you're, maybe you're closing yourself off to like possibilities. But it's like, well, no, because... On the one hand, you're right about the time thing. You're right about the time. You know, you save time. For us, and I know it sounds like a huge resource, but it really is. My time is money, yeah. and it's if it gets sucked into endless questions about font sizes, I'm sorry, it's just not worth it. But also, belief in your own core values as a business should mean that you never even consider doing that. You never even consider going into those competitive situations because oh, it's very, no, the thing. It's very clear what you do. You know, It's like a honey trap as well in business. Yeah. yeah. A lot of us want to, you know, we go into business and we think, if I just get that name, if I just get that one client or if I just get that one person buying from me, it's like a honey trap. Now, the problem is with those big names is they know the value of their name to your business. And they're the biggest low ballers mm. ever. And it's, again, it really annoys me and really upsets me that these companies that are literally could support the growth of business and could support the businesses in their own country and support their own economies are lowballing real honest decent craftsmen that are trying to get stuff done even you know from small suppliers into huge retailers they all know the value of their name of their brand and so they try and get everything on the cheap and i steer away from them now so you know i've worked with the biggest i've worked with the best i've sat at the executives with ge I've been at, with with dinner with the chairman of Samsung. I've worked with the biggest brands. And I tell you now, the work is no different. And it's honestly sometimes a lot less profitable. So, <laughs> you know, don't be swayed by these big brands who say, okay, if you work with us, you know, you will have the credibility of having worked with us and having our name, but we're only going to pay you £1.50. It's a really good walk bit of advice, by the way. Walk away. Such a good bit of advice. I mean, we have a similar situation. Again, parallels are very, very clear with, with Wild Geese. It's, it's, we have a very similar situation. I mean, you know, we could be forgiven. And I think we, this is something we did, by the way, because we obviously when we started out four years ago, we thought, oh, you know, if it, if it sort of gets to where we wanted to get to in the next sort of two, three, four, five years, we want to be at, you know, like the Minac and we want to be at like, you know, sort of regional theatres. And that's still obviously a plan. But now it's less about 
the name is important. Now it's like, okay, we feel like our work is ready to go there, not the other way around. And actually some of our best partners, some of our most profitable, even though it's not a profitable organization per se, but some of our most kind of profitable, both financially, but also just kind of professionally, are these, yeah, exactly. Are these, are these not smaller venues, but they're venues that in 2019 didn't just trip off the tongue because we hadn't yet engaged with them. They came to us. We engaged in a dialogue. It was very healthy. It was, you know, very helpful and enlightening for both sides of the conversation. And um, we've got repeat work out of it. We, you know, there, there are some venues that we're going to this summer where it's our third summer with them. And we've only done three summer tours. And they're names that we would never have dreamed of throwing out into the ether four years ago. Why are you ago. getting repeat work? Because you're good. Yeah. And they're, but they're good. You know, they're great as well. Yeah. You know, that's crucial. And that's when you should be giving a discount. Or doing some extra work for a bit less. Okay, which we do. Yeah. You know, by that stage, you're three years in, you know how this account runs or this client or this venue runs and everything else. You know what the costs are. So you might say, well, we would put our prices up normally, but not for that venue because we know exactly how much is involved in that and that we won't put our prices up for. So in many ways, you're kind of giving a discount. Those are the things. Or... For things like, well, Tom probably won't mind me saying this, for Ludo, you know, we will explore other things that we can do because we've got something down pat and it's taking less time. So let's put that time into trying other things. Yeah. And so, We've you know, spoken about stuff with for Ludo, haven't we? You and I recently, we spoke, which we won't say anything about just yet because we kind of need to officially launch it and stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, you're so right because, because there's a comfortability with that person. And they know that we're offering enough. And But also there are efficiencies to be gained with long-term relationships. Those efficiencies are because you know each other, you, you know what works, you know what messaging works, you know what will run. And to stop yourself getting lazy, you should be moving yourself forward. You should be constantly questing, constantly searching for new things, looking for, for where the trends are happening. Mm. So this was all around the question of value and pricing yourself and this is another thing when you look at pricing you know you must 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 look what other people are pricing you have to understand what your competitors are saying about their costs you've also got to look at what your overheads are compared to what their overheads will be for example when you employ good people they come at a premium right so your competitor might be charging £2.50 and you're thinking, I can't get this any way below £3. Well, that's probably because you are giving a premium service, a premium product. You charge accordingly. Yeah. So there are many different types of ice cream, many different types of chocolate, many different types of air dryers. They're all because of their component parts. They're all costed according to their component parts. If you provide a premium service, don't compare yourself with the people who don't. Make sure you know exactly what you bring to the party. And that's really important as well. That's part of the fundamentals of a business. And I'm pleased, just to finish off this uh, particular episode, which has, by the way, been so enlightening for me. I feel like I'm learning so much about like, running my own, my own thing as well. I'm going to be going to my colleague now going, I've learned so much stuff. It's really great. <laughs> but the final thing I actually want to talk about is it's interesting you mentioned employing people. I'm not going to ask like kind of the ins and outs and the specifics of anything, because obviously, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to sort of look after and don't dig ourselves into any holes or anything like that. But do you remember the first time you employed somebody and... Yeah. It was a terrible disaster. <laughs> was I was going to ask, actually, yeah. It was a bloke called Max, <laughs> and he worked in a bar. 
I used to, and I thought he was marvelous. And I thought he was like really personable, really interesting, really young. He didn't know what he wanted to do with his life, but you know, he was just very malleable. And I just thought he's a great personality. He'd be perfect in PR. I didn't realize that Max worked in a bar because Max liked to sleep at, in the day and he liked, he was a nocturnal creature. Got so you. to get Max to start work at nine o'clock every day was honestly a feat of endurance. <laughs> so, no, it was an absolute disaster. I had no idea. I was completely green. How have you refined your processes since? I mean, obviously they have they have significantly been refined, but I mean, you know, it's uh, I mean, how, how have you find adapting to that, you know? haven't you know what as you get older it's more difficult because I now you know when I was young I was appealing to a younger audience and now I'm older and there's still this younger audience the beauty of being in technology is that you you stay young through the innovation and early adoption of things and but no it's it's hard to I wouldn't say I'm a perfect recruiter. I'd say Daft's a lot better at recruiting than I am. Daft says I'm terrible because I just say yes to everybody. I, I, I'm just like, oh, aren't they delightful? Let's bring them in. They're really well, great. It's quite telling that, like, I wrote to Demozo, oh, coming up for two, incredibly, coming up for sort of two years almost, which has flown by in a really good way. I'm delighted at that. Um, and obviously, you know, kind of, you, I knew and you knew that I wasn't going anywhere, even when I did. <laughs> One day we will tell that story because it was a very specific story. But it was, it, I think it was telling that I wrote to Demozo having researched the company and been very interested in what they did and was like, oh, I'm definitely going to meet Jackie. I will definitely meet Jackie first, sure. Got an e- email back from Daff and then met Daff. And it was only after I'd met Daff and spent 10 minutes with Daff. It was like, cool, go away and do this and then you'll meet Jackie. And I was like, oh, you like the screening process but what is now becoming increasingly clear is he's kind of the screening process and the rest <laughs> he's like kind yeah, of clearly he's you know. everything um, <laughs> i often don't even get a say because <laughs> just i'm going to say yes to everybody anyway um, it's funny there's parallels to be drawn between you and i right this is a story i'll tell you so i used to that's so many anyway um you know both as drama schools both love music both podcast hosts the rest of it right both probably wish we had different names um but it's one of those where i worked for a company called the young shakespeare company on occasion i still may do it's been a while since i did but because of various other things with the theater company and with the most and things like that but i worked for a company called the young shakespeare company more or less under a year after i graduated from drama school and then for the foreseeable for about five six years i worked for them and it got to the point where i'd been acting I'd been, I'd been in a few shows with them I kind of played the kind of the canon of Shakespeare shows all across the UK all across the world in fact and it got to the point where I was like oh, maybe I want to take on some more you know kind of responsibilities alongside my acting work with them can I be a part of like the company management can I be a part of the casting process and Chris who went on mentioning his name absolute legend Chris Geelan fantastic Chris and Sarah who run the company said yeah absolutely come in and help me with the casting process we won't have you in the room because it's going to be me and the two other directors of the shows but I need you to do some of the screening like the daft job right and in order to work for the Young Shakespeare Company you kind of need to have had some well you don't need to but there's an interview before you go in for the audition like what's your experience been in working for working in schools performances for children can you drive 
blah, blah, where did you train? Blah, 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 blah. And the, the running gag was is that I would do this for maybe three, four days of, a, of an audition week. And I would then have to leave them in the room, like a little holding room. And I'd go into the room before they came in for their audition. And they would ask me what I thought of them. And I would always say, oh, they're just great. Oh, oh, they're just brilliant. And bear in mind, this is like 250 people. And yeah. Chris would just always say... This was screening. Yeah, they they would <laughs> open the door and they they'd all go. Let me guess, they're great. And I'd be like, How did you know? They are they are really great. I just really like people. And he he would perennially say to me, "There's 250 people coming. They can't all be great. It's a statistical improbability. They can't all be amazing people. You know, I'm sure they all have their own merits, but they can't all be like just." <laughs> so I think I'm as bad. As, I just I I think I would just be really bad at saying, "Oh, I think you're what you do is great." But no, it's interesting that you you know. I, it's really interesting to hear that you had a, not that it was like by any means a kind of a futile disaster if you like but it's, yeah it's, and you know, know starting your own business there are so many things that I could talk about like you know who you if you want to go into partnership how you do your share structuring how you do your agreements contracts a lot of people um shy away from lawyers I'm a great advocate of lawyers I think they prevent a lot of troubles Nowadays, again, a lot of this is online. You've got Rocket Law, you've got Seed Legals that help you start companies even through to investment and, you know, raise money and stuff like that. So I guess the future is bright for anybody who really wants to start a business. But do make sure that you're, I mean, I always say to CEOs, I want you to be in a PR frame of mind. And I think when you start a business, you need to be in a business frame of mind. You need to cut through all the emotional stuff like, oh, I really love acting. Oh, I really love PR. It's what I really want to do. Throw that away and look at the money in, money out. And that's the most important thing. And then you look at how to get more money in and how to reduce the money that goes out. And it is really as simple as that. And as long as you go along the straight and narrow, you don't do anything shonky. You know your own value. You don't sell too low. You never, ever commit a crime because you will get found out. And I know a lot of business owners who have done very dodgy things and got caught for them. Keep it on the straight and narrow. Keep it clear. Keep it clean. Do ask for advice to start with or do read up a lot. Do your research. But at the end of the day, it's not that difficult. No, it's, it's not, not that difficult. It is money in, money out and doing it properly. And also it's one of those things, if you're passionate about it, then do it all above board and just hold on to that passion. But make sure you don't lose sight of the fact that in order to fulfill and realize that passion and that ambition you need to you know it's hard work as well and you need to you know, do your due diligence you need to prepare you know and you need to prepare lonely. and it's lonely work it is your responsibility and it is something that you you carry on your own nobody's going to do it for you so you have to get that in your head you have to get yourself match fit you know get yourself mentally prepared think about the things that do go right, but things that can go wrong. A lot of people say don't overthink business, but I think you need to really put a plan together. I talk about planning and preparedness a lot. If you've got your plan and you know what you want to do and you know how you're going to do it, 
a lot of it will deviate from the plan a bit. It naturally will. But you'll generally have a benchmark to plan against. And then when you're replanning, which you must always do, we do it at the beginning of every year. We do it at the beginning of every month. When you're replanning, you're setting out, you know, your costs and everything else. Just make sure that you're constantly shifting yourself to be able to, to work. I love small business. I love helping people with small businesses. I had a business that grew to being a very big business. My first business grew to being ridiculously large. And I stopped doing PR and I became a bean counter. And it was the worst thing I ever did. The worst experience I've ever had. I like small businesses. I think they are, as I said, you know, the the lifeblood of the country's economy. I agree. And, you know, they do they do good things for people, great learning grounds for people. I learn everything from a small business um, and I've worked for big businesses. I've worked for small businesses in my career. Nothing replaces that. And as you're with people as well. Yeah. Nothing. You, you know, you never feel as valued as you do in a small business. You know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to go and work for these big brands and everything's going to be shiny and easy and great and exciting. But wipe away all that glitter and gloss and really you're just a cog in the wheel. Hmm. Now, some people like that. But some people like to be pushed and experiencing different things. And you get a lot more of that, I believe, in small business. I mean, it's the same in kind of the acting industry as well. I mean, like kind of people think, oh, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and be represented by this huge agent. And you end up kind of potentially occasionally getting a little bit lost in, in the bigger agencies, whereas like, you know, working with a smaller agency, you know, you have this kind of one to one. They push you for things that you didn't necessarily think you were into. But then all of a sudden you are like because, oh, yeah, we kind of get each other. Um, but I just going back to it as well. I mean, they say, you know, some people say, obviously, don't overthink business. Well, yeah, by by all means, don't overthink it. But be sure not to underthink it as well by the way don't go in and underthink it like that's don't do the opposite and just kind of think it's all going to sort itself out i'm just going to repeat some call outs actually because you know we'd love to hear from people who have you know started their own businesses or are looking to start their own business and i'm just going to repeat one particular call out i mean jeff if you're out there i know you started your own business from your garage and it's now like this leviathan and you know, we called you out a few weeks back and I'd love to have you on the pod, Jeff. Jeffrey Bezos, if you're keen and you want to come out, um, you know, and, and have a chat with us, we'd love to hear what it was like setting up um, setting up your own business. Because, I mean, obviously you you did that entirely from scratch and had absolutely no investment from anyone else to kick that off whatsoever. So, yeah, obviously, you, you know, you grew that from the bottom up and that's not slanderous. That's just me being tongue in cheek. Uh, but, Jeff, come on the pod. We'd, we'd love to have you on the podcast. But listeners, we're going to bring this one to a close. But just to repeat that, actually joking aside, if you are setting up your own business, if you have set up your own business, if you want to set up your own business and uh, you want to ask us a question or you want to get in touch with the podcast or you want to come on the podcast and tell us a bit about your experiences, we'd obviously love to hear from you. We're obviously always on the lookout to have interesting and exciting guests on the podcast. And you can do that by T's and C's time, getting in touch with us by emailing info at the rest is pr.com or you can message jackie or myself on linkedin we'll always respond to those messages or comment on the posts the call out posts that we've been putting out recently or you can follow us on at the rest is pr that's capital t capital r capital i capital pr and if you want to get in touch by uh emailing demozo you can email demozo at info at demozo.com and that reminds me if you want to check out what demozo been up to because demozo started from the bottom now they're here demozo is 
its own startup business. Mozo <laughs> is findable on demozo.com. Head over to that website. Uh, Jackie, same time again next week for another episode of the podcast. Will be fancy. Please. Brilliant stuff. Absolutely brilliant. And we won't have changed our names. I've no doubt we won't have changed our names. Our names will be the same. Well, I, Jackie's looking at me now going, hey, let's, you know, seven I days. Now, Jacqueline <laughs> <laughs> uh, with love for then, Jacqueline DeVoe. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll have to change my name as well, you know, just sort of just carry on. But listeners, thank you so much for joining us once again for the latest episode of The Rest is PR. And we will see you again next week for another exciting installment. For the time being, from Jacqueline DeVoe and myself, it's bye for now. <laughs>